0: Hello, I'm Tanya Buchanan, Editor in Chief of Australian House and Garden, and today I'm really lucky to be joined by finance commentator Effie Zahos and Commonwealth Bank's Kylie McFarlane to talk about the sandwich generation. Hi, hi, <laughs> Kylie. Would you like to maybe begin by describing what the sandwich generation is and means in terms of finances, or or how you perceive it with your customers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the sandwich generation really is, as it sounds, it's the ham between the two slices of bread. Right? We are adults who have children, or, or at least children responsibilities, whether they're as carers or as parents. But we're also quite often caring for our elder parents or ageing parents. For us, it's really about how do we make women and men financially fit in an environment where they may have financial dependency at both ends of the spectrum and need to have a plan to circumvent all of that or at least navigate all of that.
0: Yes, and I think it's interesting just talking and we are all in the sandwich generation, the three of us on this panel today. So, Effie, maybe if you could talk a little bit about your experience and, you know, what you see Mm -hmm. when you deal with finances all the time. The sandwich generation. There's a lot of pressure there. And also, someone
2: of my age is dealing
0: with a situation whose
2: parents didn't have the luxury of compulsory super. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping things improve as they come through. I hope my daughter won't be a sandwich generation child because of the, the fortunes, I guess, that uh, as you move through and as you're coming up the ranks, you do have SG contributions from the day you start work. We are becoming financially uh, savvier, and people are becoming a lot more interested in making you know their dollars work harder, so to speak. But uh, yeah, right now, it is a case for me of juggling the needs of my parents. And you'll have siblings, you may have siblings, and that could ease the pressure, It could put more pressure on there, uh, trying to build your own wealth as well, knowing that uh, you'll be heading into
0: retirement one day soon. And what if you weren't a good, as a sandwich generation mm-hmm. person, what if you weren't a good saver? What if you did have wild 20s and 30s, <laughs> and, uh, and suddenly you're just starting to consolidate when you head into this sandwich? generation and then suddenly you've got children and then potentially looking after your parents, how do you get ahead? And this is probably where a lot of people do find themselves in. We are fairly fortunate
2: to a certain extent in Australia with the amount of help we can possibly get, but it's not easy. I think yeah. we're kidding ourselves to say here right now that it is easy. And if I had the solutions and I would be one of the most amazing people in the world, I don't. In a case of miraculously, where do you find this money? What support can you get? The aged care system is pressured as it is. And a lot of people are finding that they are living
1: from paycheck to paycheck because of the very reasons you were just saying. Yeah. It's not an unusual situation. Mm. For a lot of us, we don't think about our retirement until Mm, actually we're only 10 or 12 years away from retirement. But this is the demographic we're talking about. Um, You've just gotten to that age where you have the kids may just be leaving um, home or they're in their final years of school. All of a sudden, mum and dad get sick. But you'd finally sat down to go, great, let's start to make sure we're ready for Mm. retirement because it's 10, or let's have some amazing ago. holidays
0: or let's, you know, do buy the dream house, finally <laughs> have the forever house yeah. or, you know, only buy Chanel shoes. Yes.
1: But then it all gets ripped away from you. <laughs> yes, all of a sudden you've got a parent or two yeah. parents living with mm. you as well as your children and the financial strain of that can be quite overwhelming. Mm. And I think it's also that the conversations that we've just got
2: to have, these problems aren't going to go away. And unless we're willing to talk about them openly and honestly, and some of them are, can be quite hard. It can be quite hard going. I don't know about you kind of going to your mum and dad and saying, hey, have you actually thought about? How are you going to survive the next couple of years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever? But I think yeah.
0: especially if they have their own businesses. I mean, yeah. my father has his own business and it's very um, labour intensive and physical. And then what if something happens mm. to you as well? It's mm. all those kinds of conversations. If you're, you know, not in a profession or mm-hmm. somewhere where you have saved up and worked out when you're going to mm-hmm. finish, nature just sort of takes its yeah. course, doesn't it? And you may not be set up.
1: Yeah. And if you're relying on the sale of that business to mm, fund your retirement, yeah. but actually the the yeah. value isn't what you expected, then that opportunity to be financially viable in retirement yeah. diminishes as well. Yeah.
2: I think the key thing for me is always, I know this is hard, and especially as um, women, we tend to put the needs of our families probably first. I mean, mm. a lot of research I've read is that, you know, women always tend to put the needs of their children before their own needs and that impacts their own kind of wealth journey and I'm sure it goes the other way as well, you know, looking after your parents as well, it's important that I guess into any arrangement that you do enter into, that A, you do get some professional advice, B, that it is set up in a way that you get some, and I know this sounds terrible, but there is some benefit or protection for yourself. Mm. So for example, I know with parents that want to help their children, in a lot of cases, they may put their name on the home or there may be a loan or there's some arrangement they're entering into. I also have seen the same when it comes to, you know, the the, the people in the middle of the sandwich setting themselves up if they are helping their parents, if they're helping release some equity out, if they are jumping in and giving loans that way. You may have siblings and you've really got to put that in writing know I, I, I'm a great believer with through discussions,
1: solutions can be made, but it mm. has to be those discussions. Absolutely. And, it, and it's not just about protecting, it's just good sense. Mm. And I think for a lot of us, we think, oh no, this is what I've got to do. I have an obligation to help. Yeah. But actually you also have an obligation to help yourself and making sure that, you have things in writing. If it needs to be a legal contract, that's a legal contract. Mm-hmm. That maybe your parents need to amend their will to reflect um, an advance or a loan or whatever it is that they've it given you or out. had mm-hmm. in in the given wash. to them mm-hmm. down the track. But having those conversations is tricky. It's difficult. Yeah. I wanted to
0: ask a question that you'll. I'm sure both know the answer to. So is it still, if you aren't on the loan, say you're helping your child buy a property and the whole personal guarantee system, does that still exist or is that something of the past and
1: how does it, that work? It definitely still exists. Yeah. And uh, it's not just about children and parents. It's also about boyfriends and girlfriends. Right. And when we look at the issue of financial abuse, making sure that young women and, and young men understand what they're doing when they guarantee their part car loan or whatever that loan is for, that they really understand the implications Mm. of that. Because if that relationship ends, then... They have the debt, not they the partner that. who has the, the whole car debt.
0: They guarantee the whole whole debt yeah.
1: if, if the other person defaults. Yeah, then yeah. yeah. They
2: are. There are a couple of things with that too. You, you can limit the guarantee; it's a limited guarantee. Mm-hmm. Then you're responsible for that amount that's on there. The other important thing to note as a parent, I probably no, I won't probably kids, if you're listening, I'm not going to guarantee <laughs> your loans. I won't. The reason being, it also impacts me in the sense that if I need credit, if I need to
0: invest further, and you've given. Given some of your credit limit away, right? They're spot on.
2: I've given my borrowing power mm. away and it does affect us that way as well. Um, having said that, I, you know, I do understand it is tough for kids to get into the market and believe me, I want my kids to leave mm. home. So I am <laughs> setting them up so they do leave home. And there are lots of other ways you can help and, you know, lots of loan structures that can be put in place. There's nothing stopping you from being on the mortgage. Maybe you buy the property, they invest from it, they buy it back from you. There's
0: so many ways. Well, That's the thing because how many of them? My son's 21, he's at uni, he's a good saver Mm. and has lots of jobs, but you're not going to really, I mean, honestly, get a loan, are you, until you're in full time employment for a reasonable amount of time? And at 21, that's pretty unlikely. You know, maybe you get to 25 and you've got a 10% deposit, but really it's going to be pretty tricky until then, isn't it, to get something on your own?
1: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I didn't buy till I was in my 30s Mm. and renting was an easier way and a more affordable way to live at that point in time. So... Did you save while you were renting? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really about how do we teach our kids Mm. to have good savings behaviour and then how do you them the opportunity to use those saving skills to put a down payment on an apartment or a home? Do we have a role in that transaction or not? Or is our role to educate them on the best way to to do it, to set themselves up Hmm. for success? So when you get your paycheck, how do you pay yourself? What are you mm. going to put in the bank for a rainy day or for something that you're saving up for, like a house deposit? And then what is, what is the money you're going to use to live, to entertain, to go out, to buy clothes? I don't think anyone's suggesting that you have to live a very frugal, narrow life while you're saving for a house but you can't have everything.
2: Well, I met a lot of different people on a lot of different incomes and, you know, there's some people that are on 60,000 and boy, have they kicked some financial goals. And then I've met others on 160,000 and they're wondering where their money goes. Mm. And the one tip that I go on about all the time is one that was given to me. It's so simple, but yet so powerful. It's not what you earn that counts. It's what you spend. So you really have to take a good look at yourself and just say, well, where is my money going?
0: Effie, at what age did you start speaking to your children about money and how to earn it and how to save it? I I guess being a finance journalist,
2: they heard me talk about money all the time. And unfortunately, my kids thought when we're going through a recession, that it was us going through the recession. I would do a lot of radio interviews (laughs) and I'll never forget the day my son pulled me up and said, are we okay for money? (laughs) So look, teaching kids about money is a very personal thing. And in my case, my daughter grasped it a lot earlier than my son. So it's a case of, I don't think you can force it on it. Actions speak louder than words. So if your kids aren't good with money, I always say take a good look at yourself because they pick up behaviours from you. Also bearing in mind in this day and age, a lot of children are probably purchasing their first items digitally. So, I'm a great believer in while cash is important to understand the value of it, to get them understanding digital money pretty fast as well. But I must say, I started them on a 52-week challenge. That was the first thing that really caught their eye two jars in the kitchen, $1 one week, $2 the next week. I told the child, whoever managed to get to week 52, I will match the end figure. So after 52 weeks, $1,300 were going there, knowing full well the young one couldn't get it. Yes. Because what, what, what young child has $52. <laughs> so how did they out. earn it? So they were earning it from pocket money. Exactly. Chores. And I, I mean, with pocket money, it's just you've got to be careful. You're not just paying them for mm. the sake of paying. So we entered into an agreement as to what are you actually going to do to earn this money? They greet it, they signed it, they stuck it on their wall. That's great. If that?
1: they didn't do it that week, they didn't get paid. That's great. And yeah. what about you, Kylie? You've got young children. I do have young children. And unfortunately, money isn't so prevalent in our house in yeah. that I don't carry cash anymore. And my kids, when I, mean, I drop them off at daycare um, a couple of mornings a week. We have breakfast together. That's just become part of our tradition. And they actually ask for the tappy-tappy card. Mum, but- can I have the tappy-tappy card? and they know to go up and press the machine and part of that's frightening Mm. because I don't know how to teach them value of a coffee versus a car and you can buy both with that that card but also how do I make them understand that that is a transaction Mm. that that has been a transfer of money for something that we've gotten in return and so we we're not using cash at home we're using pasta But same thing, you do your jobs, you get pasta and if you get enough pasta, you know, we're getting a trampoline, we're saving up for a trampoline. Um, But it's hard when your kids are only five to teach what happens today versus what happens in a year's time. They want everything to happen today. That's right and it's a really interesting
0: time, isn't it, this whole transition from cash... You know, when we grew up or when I grew up, I used to work for my grandfather who had a sideline as a nursery and I'd go to the markets with him and I got 15% of the takings. So the most I ever got was $11, but it was really good. You worked out your maths really well and, you know, saved. And it was just so, I just loved that whole material
1: nature. So it's it's a whole different world. It is so important because research is showing that children, have their money habits developed by the age of seven. So we need to start young. We need to talk about money. We don't necessarily always have to give money, but we need to talk about it and talk about the importance of saving. That's, a, yeah, a
2: really good point. Mine are a little bit older, so I can involve them. Well, yeah, if I haven't involved them by now, I'm not doing a good job myself. <laughs> involve them in the day-to-day costs too. So I think mine had a really good understanding that we earned this amount. This is the energy bill. I sit down, have a look at it. Mm. And I know my son was completely taken back by the energy bill, that this is what? Is this so much you people You really traumatised him with the recession. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have electricity, Mum? <laughs> I have. When your 14-year-old asks you, uh, do we have adequate health cover, then I realised I've really done a he's, great job. He, but mascare. he's been listening, really. <laughs> well. He has. He has. And that's a true story. He asked me, do we have enough cover? <laughs> and I said, for what? And he goes, for our health. And I go, yes you're sorted. Do not worry. But it is those conversations that you do have to have. And make them understand that, you know, money is not coming in in droves into the home and it's going out probably just as fast. And these are the bills. This is what we've got to pay. This is what it costs. We have a mortgage or some people may have rent and get real with your kids so they have a better appreciation of just how hard it is. Because I must say, my parents really shielded me from that. And I absolutely thought we were million, multi-billionaires and didn't realised <laughs> that we weren't. Yeah, that wasn't far the case. Far from it. Far from it. Yeah. And uh, I think if your children realise just how hard it is to
1: make money, grow it, um, they have a better appreciation of it. And it really comes down to some key principles, doesn't it? Have a plan. Mm. And quite often that plan is a budget. Mm. Talk about money. You know, quite often we just don't talk about money. do you money. think that's because it's one of those topics, you
0: know, that you, will certainly when we grew up, that you were never meant to mention at dinner parties. But I think that's changing a little bit. Yeah. There are so many many people that are quite happy to put their budget
2: on an Excel spreadsheet and put it on Insta. I think we are moving towards a situation where people are proud that, hey, I saved for this and I bought this and this is great. And for me being stuck in a sandwich, so to speak, my priority has been I have two children. I need to make sure that they have the best plans in place to minimise the impact that it'll have on me. I try to put myself first. I try to that's hard as a mum, knowing full well that whatever help I give there will lessen my situation, and then it just means I'm rely, you know, need to rely on them more later. And I don't want that. I want to be as financially independent as I can, and not rely on my children having to support me at all. From my parents' side, I think it's more of a case that of uh, this is where we are. This is what we're going to deal with, and best be real about.
0: Okay going to need a lot more help than I thought. And you probably can't change their situation. Like too I hate to say too can't. late
2: in that sense, mm. but okay, so what are we dealing with? Mm. What is the plans in place? Do we have everything in order to, the inevitable is we should be talking about our funerals. We should be talking, as you suggested, Kylie Wells. where are they? What, what's in place? What's going to happen afterwards? All that needs to happen in a discussion and, and put down. So for me, it's making sure I have those plans that are being proactive and making
0: sure that they've ticked off the right boxes. The sad part is we have to be very grown up. Mm. Yeah, and it is it is a scary topic and a, you can see why people avoid it mm. and it's probably yeah. not something that you bring up at Christmas lunch. But you have <gasps> We a... do. we talk <laughs> about funerals,
2: <laughs> we talk about plots. So, as I, I think I've said before, my mother has bought her plot and she's quite proud of it. Well, my mother it's wants a... to be frozen and we keep telling <laughs> her she's not going in know. our freezer. That's way too expensive, I think, <laughs> the maintenance on that. Exactly.
0: But it's interesting because I think a lot of us just want to put all of that we out do. of our minds and think that it's never going to happen but yeah the but fact don't need is to we're deal mortal with it every
1: day right mm. so have a plan to have that conversation once a yeah. year yes have a plan to make sure you all get together as a family make it enjoyable mm. maybe not at christmas yeah. but you know <laughs> over lunch over a, you know a bottle of wine over whatever it is mm, yes. chocolate milkshake mm. and have those conversations it becomes part of the rituals of your family mm-hmm. As the editor
0: of a homes magazine in Australia, of course, I want the dream of Australian home ownership to continue forever and I feel like it still exists, but I'm just wondering for the next generation, is that going to be as relevant or we're talking about loans and getting them to save for a home loan deposit? Kylie, how do you see your young children? Do you think they'll be aspiring to buy a home? I mean, how do you see the future in that way?
1: Well, like Effie, I want my children to move out of home one day. (laughs) Um, But I think the conversation needs to turn away from home ownership to home security or housing security Mm. because maybe a lot of our children won't be able to afford the home that we have aspired to own, and they may just need good secure rental that isn't tenuous, that they know has a long-term duration to it, has some insurance built into it in terms of the escalation of the rent price over time, but is also well-maintained and upkept. Or are there new home ownership models that will come into play, like shared equity? I think, too, we have to uh, break this myth that we're all going to buy the four bedroom house on a quarter acre block, apartment living is going to become Mm. more prevalent. Those apartments, you see the new apartments now, they're they're beautiful. They've got lots of green space. There's a pool, there's a library, lots um, of amenities and people can have a life. They can lock up and travel
0: and eat out a lot more. And yeah, it's just having a balance, isn't it?
2: I just feel it is probably, unfortunately, easier to be an investor and buy a property than it is to be a first home buyer. Mm. It's just how things, are, tax-wise, structure-wise out there. Maybe, um, look, on paper, when you look at home ownership and if it takes you that 30 years, it just doesn't make sense, does it? When you look at how much you pay back in interest, it doesn't make sense. You're far better off buying an investment property, maybe you're doing it that way. Having said that, a lot of people have great intention and say, I don't need home ownership, it doesn't work out. That's okay, and it's probably correct, so long as you have a plan B as far as well, what will be your investment. Are you investing elsewhere or will you end up 60, 70? And especially if you have been in the workforce maybe as a, a trade or a hard labour, can you continue pushing your body, working that hard at 60, 70, to pay for your rent because you haven't actually invested elsewhere? And that's the problem. What I do like about home ownership is forced savings. It forces you to put money away. And whether it stacks up on paper or not, well, I'm not the expert there. Get your accountant to to work that out. But in most cases, it's the
1: only way people have that kind of security. Well, it's not the only way, but it's the most normal well, way sorry, for Australians, yes, yes, but you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. If you're not going to buy a home, you need to make sure yeah. you're still building an asset. It may just not be a bricks and mortar asset. Mm. Coming back to it, though, is it is about having a plan and it is being prepared to sacrifice something yeah. to get your ultimate goal. Mm, not right. everything, yeah. something yeah. to get that ultimate yeah. goal.
2: And if home ownership isn't the, the way that you want to go, that's fine. Have a backup, have something else. I shouldn't actually call it a backup. What's the alternative? Is it your business? If it is your business is it viable yeah mm. look there
0: are plenty of millennials that are doing really well to have are. no home but have multi-million dollar yep, businesses so that's right it is it is about having a plan i mean nothing in life comes that easily no. does it i mean yeah. career anything yeah, so yeah. it is about planning yeah. Thank you very much Kylie and Effie. It's been really enjoyable talking about a somewhat tricky topic sometimes, saving, um, but we really enjoyed that and tune into our next Financially Fit podcast.